horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, get tied on. We've got a good show, a show so good that it takes two producers to take care of me. We got the my my, my old sidekick A Rod and uh, Josh by Gosh is on there. So this is going to be a great show. We got multi uh, audio taking care of us. Uh, we also had my friend Ryan who's coming in from Voice America to make sure everything sounds good for you guys. So let's have a great show. I think we will. I've got. Uh, two really good guests now if you've heard the name alicia wince hughes the last time i had her on the show it was because she had become the editor of the blood horse magazine and uh, was for a couple of years and now she has changed hats in the middle of the game and is uh, now the director of NTRA Communications. You remember Jim Mulvihill was a guy that's been on the show quite a bit, and Jim moved over to Twin Spires, so uh, it continues. But uh, I really think they got a great find uh, in Alicia. Uh, Jim was great at his job too, but Alicia, uh, you know, not only comes as the racing editor of the Blood Horse, uh, but she's uh, has won numerous national writing awards uh, for thoroughbred racing. Eleven years with the Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, including eight years as the horse racing beat writer. So she's going to bring a lot of experience to the job. But I'll tell you what, talk about uh, jumping right into the fryer. This uh, weekend, as a lot of you guys know, is the National Handicapping Championship. Hard to believe it's in its 20th year. Now, that takes place out in Las Vegas, and it's something that uh, we'll check with Alicia. She'll tell us the different ways you can kind of monitor how the play is going out there. And we've got some good racing, too. And to follow up on that racing, I think most of the eyes of the country on Saturday are going to be on Tampa Bay Downs. And our eyes, well, we won't be able to see because we got a Andrew Shades Dembski. That's right. He's that guy you see on camera at Tampa Bay Downs. And we're going to be talking to Andrew about his uh, entrance into racing, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he uh, was involved in uh, minor league baseball for a while and finally worked his way into racing. And he's the on-air guy from Tampa Bay Downs. So it's going to be his uh, first start here on Winning Ponies. Really looking forward to it. And again, the big weekend down there, and you've got a lot of great betting to do uh, which will give you a reason to pull down the easy win uh, forms um, we've got the grade three tampa bay that's a mile and a 16th on the turf my brother lives in tampa i know the weather can be dicey but it also clears up real quick uh, then we go to the sun coast and this is for three-year-old fillies now it's not a points race for the oaks as far as i recall uh, but i would not out that you'll see some of these horses uh, nominated and pointing towards the Oaks. They're kind of uh, horses that are just breaking their maidens, and but eight of them are coming off impressive winning efforts. Uh, then we go to the Lamb Home South Endeavor. It's a grade three, $175,000 race, again, on the turf. And of course, it 
Tampa Bay this time of year, you get a lot of shippers. Uh, horses coming in off training centers after their winter layoff and horses coming up from Gulfstream Park. And uh, it'll be closed out by a race that does have Kentucky Derby implications because it's a points race, and that's the Sam F. Davis. And what an interesting group has come together. Every horse in the race is nominated to the Triple Crown. So uh, Andrew Shades Dembski will be helping us break that down. That is the lineup. Let's take a look at some of the national news. And uh, we talked about all those horses being nominated to the Triple Crown. Well, they are part of a group of 362 led by unbeaten two-year-old champion and Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, game winner. Uh, so he's he's going to head it up. He hasn't made his first start of the year yet, uh, but they say that he's training very forwardly for his debut. Um, and it was really close last year. Um, they had just about the same amount of numbers of horses that nominated. Now, this is the first payment uh, where you can get in uh, kind of cheap, but... Uh, you can uh, you can make later pay. I think the next one is six thousand. If all of a sudden your horse jumps up and wins big, and you decide that you want to go, so uh, you know game winner, undefeated. Uh, gee, guess what? He's from the barn. Bob Baffert doesn't that uh, surprise you? Um, but also in there will be um, from the Baffert barn, improbable. And let's not forget that uh, he is uh, the trainer of last year's triple crown winner justify and a nice little horse by the name of american pharaoh who also won the triple crown so you you always got to keep an eye on the horses that baffert's nominating because you know things happen between now and the first saturday in may so it's good to have your gun loaded um some of the other uh you know well-met prospects uh in in there from uh, uh let's see steve mass Steve Asmussen has uh, 27 nominations, which leads all the trainers with horses nominated to the Triple Crown. And uh, right behind is uh, Calumet Farm, uh, Charles Fipke, and Godolphin for the most nominees uh, with uh, six horses each. And uh, as far as stallions are concerned, for the third straight year, tap it. The leading sire with 19 offspring nominated into mischief was next with 15, followed by classic winning Curlin, 13, Cairo Prince, 11, and Uncle Mo, 11. If you're looking for the strong sires going into the three-year-old uh, three-year-old triple crown races. Now, there are fillies that are nominated, including... The champion two-year-old filly and Breeders' Cup juvenile fillies winner, Jaywalk, and the multiple grade one winner, Bella Fina. And uh, from outside of North America, there are 20 horses that have nominated to the Triple Crown. So uh, it's easy enough to find that list wherever you want to go. Uh, but obviously, you know, as you pare them down, you'll remember the ones from last year and scratch your head about some of the others. But remember... Nobody knew about Justify last year at this time because he hadn't started breaking the curse of Apollo. And, uh, you know, 
of recent days, you know, we had Justify win the Triple Crown, American Pharaoh, but let's go back and remember and respect history. Sir Barton, 1919, Gallant Fox, 1930, Omaha, 35. Then we jump to War Admiral in 37, Whirl Away 41, Count Fleet 43, Assault 46, Citation 48, and then the Great Drought set in before Secretariat came back in 73, Seattle Slough in 77, Affirmed in 78, and it was a long, long time till American Pharaoh cracked it in 2015. So we know who's nominated, but there probably will be more nominated, people that aren't sure if their horse is ready and weren't ready to gamble yet, but there uh, will be the uh, the $6,000 next late fee. Now, here's good news for everybody in racing, I think, is that the Saratoga meet is going to start off early. It's going to be extended by one week with 40 days of racing spread out over eight weeks instead of seven. Now, opening day, mark your calendars, Thursday, July 11th, and closing day, traditional Labor Day, September 7th, the day I will remember forever last year as I pick seven winners on the card. We'll probably never do that again, but... I uh, wear that proudly. Uh, so early in the season, the Saratoga meet's going to have four days of racing, and then the next six weeks will be five days of racing, and Mondays and Tuesdays will be dark. And the very last week, they're going to squeeze the lemon dry with a six-day race meet. So uh, part of the reason they say they're taking a week away from Belmont is uh, they're due to a planned construction of a hockey arena for the New York Islanders on the same property as Belmont Park. And so they're going to try to work around the training schedule there. Also adding dates, how about Monmouth? With sports betting revenue rolling in since June and legislation that will provide purse subsidies of $10 million for each of the next five years, it's expected to be signed by the governor. Uh, this season will add racing dates, increase overnight purses, and offer a much more enticing stakes program. The stakes schedule was released just today. 64 races worth a combined $7.1 million. Last year, there were only 39 worth 4.3. So there'll be at least one stake every Saturday and Sunday. And there's going to be a couple of huge stakes cards planned in May, June, July, and August, two in September. So Monmouth Park, congratulations. We are very, very happy for you. I've got a lot more news, but I get to get to the races that I handicapped uh, with my buddy Rich Ng last week. Okay, how about at Gulfstream Park? Uh, the forward gale went to second-time starter feedback. No surprise there. was sent away at odds on. Man, the sire violence is hot right now. Now, this was a three-year-old Phillies race, so feedback, the winner there. Second was bye-bye Jay. Uh, this was a, it was just a neck in front of champagne, anyone? So that, again, was the forward gale. Look for some of those horses to be around for the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, also at Gulfstream Park, uh, we looked at the swale stakes. And the winner was the horse I liked, Call Paul. Ended up being the favorite. 
news for me, but one by a pretty impressive one and a quarter lengths, Jason Service Trains. This is a Pennsylvania bread. I love horses like this. By Frisian Fire, a $4,000 stallion, sold for $210,000. Now, the swale's only seven furlongs. There weren't any derby points, but look for some of those horses to be stretching out. And then at Gulfstream Park, the Holy Bull, that was a points race, went to an Impressive ride by my friend Brian Hernandez, Harvey Wallbanger. Remember drinking those back in the days? And also there was the famous racing buffalo, Harvey Wallbanger. This horse was last to first with a ground-saving trip, moved inside on a wet track, and got the job done. Remember the name Harvey Wallbanger, running second, 99 to 1, ever fast. The exacta, 2,200 and three dollars real quick i know i'm getting close on time the uh withers stakes wow tax very impressive out of the danny gargan barn uh squeezed through a very very tiny hole and showed a lot of guts remember the name tax with the boys three-year-olds heading to the derby and then a sloppy santa anita again derby points here and the winner was Mucho Gusto, Rich Eng's pick, showed early speed, very impressive, was just eased up late. Put this on your horses to watch list. Mucho Gusto, rallying from last, the horse I liked, got far out of it. Now, this was a very, very sloppy track, was gunmetal gray. I do think as long as he stays sound, we're going to see him in the field for the Derby, and he looks like he's built for a mile and a quarter. All right, well, that's the national news. Look at last week's plays, and right now we're going to sell some spots, and we're going to talk to Alicia Wentz-Hughes about her switch to the NTRA and what's going on in Las Vegas this weekend. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, I believe for the second time, Alicia Wentz-Hughes is going to be with us. I announced this uh, over a month ago, the fact that uh, she was taking over the reins as the director of the NTRA uh, Communications, and they could not have gotten a better find. As I said at the top of the show, she's won numerous national writing awards for her coverage of thoroughbred racing. Last two years, uh, top uh, Gail at the uh, Blood Horse Magazine as the racing editor. And before that, she cut her teeth with the Lexington Herald Leader. So with no further ado, a resume reading because this is only an hour show. Alicia, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Thank you. That is an intro. That is, I said, wow. I'm like, I, I'm going to have to owe you a, a dinner or something for, for that. That's, that's the nicest stuff anybody said about me in a long time. Well, just tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Um, <laughs> it, it's interesting. You know, a, a, a writer for the Louisville paper, I know you know her well, uh, Jenny Reese. Gee, I wonder has, who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> ha, has expanded her career. And I remember talking to her when she first, I had her on the show, as a matter of fact, uh, when she left the paper. And you not only left the paper, but you went, you know, uh, to, a, to a monthly, which is, you know, nationally recognized. But it's interesting now, and let me ask you this question that I asked Jenny. What's it like being the person that whose job is, re, you know, writing and reporting and getting the news and the liner notes and everything else from everybody to being the person that now has to spoon feed the press and the publications? You kinda, you, you've taken on a whole new role in your career in that sense. You know, absolutely, and and uh, and honestly, you know, when I, you know, when I was looking at uh, taking the job with the NTRA, Jenny is one of the people who I spoke with and who I talked to about, you know, because like I said she's done the, this this transition, and you know, she's she's as good as it gets, as you know, from a reporting standpoint. So I basically went to her and was like, "What am I doing? What am I getting myself in, into? What do I have to expect?" And I mean, it definitely is different. I mean, at, at the core, it is still gathering news and information. So, so to speak, it's just putting it out there in a different way. And it is almost kind of like having to retrain yourself a little bit as to how you operate and, and, and how you think. And even just, you know, and I said, it's kind of being mindful of, you know, I said, you're the one who's kind of helping put out the message and how and helping to, 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 to distribute the news instead of the one chasing it. But um, I will say, I mean, I, I can't think of much better training than having to come from the reporting background to do something like this because, you know, when you're trying to pitch stories and ideas to the media, it sure as heck helps know what the heck, what they need and what they're looking for and what's going to be most useful to them. And that's what I've really, I mean, I said I've I've barely only been there a month, but that's what I've really tried to to really, uh, you know, get myself in tune to is, you know, what is the content that 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 the reporters are going to want? What's the information that they're going to need? What's going to be most useful to them? What is most likely to be picked up and used, and in you know, in in a widespread fashion? So I said it is. I said it's a it's 
it's different, but like I said, but in a way, it's kind of the best training for it because, like I said, we it's almost like we have. I said we have an innate knowledge of of, of what the other side needs in order to get our work and our message out there. Absolutely, because you knew what helped you the most, or what would get you that a certain story in print, and uh, you, you know you you were the person to to do that, but. You did need the help of those other people to supply you with information, but I just think it's you could not have had a better training program to become the director of the NTRA Communications than all the experience that I stated earlier, and uh, I think it's just fantastic. Now, taking on the job, what was there a menu to work from, or did you kind of get a calendar of events and they said, you're on your own, kid? Uh, I'm <laughs> sure that you got information from the NTRA before. I mean, you started January. You've only been there seven weeks now. What was that What was that kind of like stepping from one world into another? Well, like you said, you know, like I said it, it, we, we touched that a little bit, you know, earlier for like for the NTRA, this is their triple crown season, if you will, of they go right from the Eclipse Awards into the NHC, which is, you know, their two biggest events of, of, of the year that, that, that they that they put on. So, yeah, like, you know, first day in, I was I was helping, you know, proof, you know, it's helping to like write scripts for 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 the Eclipse Awards, proof scripts for the Eclipse Awards, track down this person, see who's going to do that. But, you know, and, and all that and all that, that that sort of thing. So it's been so I said it, it, it's been a, a little bit of a whirlwind, but at the same time, it's also been a lot of fun. And I said, and, you know, obviously, I've, you know, I've been to, to the Eclipse Awards before as for as from a coverage standpoint. So I certainly knew what, what to expect there. Um, the NHC is definitely a different animal. It's something that I, I said I'd never experienced before or covered before. I didn't work for any publication to it, you know, who, who had covered it. So, um, like I said, the, the, the racetrack stuff is a little bit old, old hat. I can handle that, but this is going to be, this is and will be a new experience for me for this week, just kind of going through the NHC and kind of, you know, learning about all of, of, of the different horse players and just the, the tournament in general. But just, but just, um, just in a short time that I've been with the company and just getting a chance to speak with and interview some of the qualifiers and some of the horse players, like I said, it's, it, it, it's such a core thing, I think, with horse racing across the board. There's so many great stories. There's so many interesting stories, no matter which way you look. And in talking to so many of these horse players and these qualifiers, I said they've all got, got, got such great little unique stories of just how they got involved in, in racing, how they got involved, you know, how, you know, you know, how, what, what, what really kind of helped take their, their handicapping up to like the, 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 the next level. Um, I, I, I interviewed um, one of the choir flyers who's going to be playing this weekend. He, he, just, he came in from New Zealand. He won a qualifying spot for, from a tournament in, in New Zealand. And this is a guy <laughs> who his, he's primarily, you know, he's a primarily a harness racing guy. And he's kind of like, Gonna be learning on the fly a little bit about how to handicap thoroughbreds in the biggest handicap tournament there is. But that's sort of a fun thing right there, just sort of saying things like that. So um, I said it's 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 been I said throw it a little bit in, in, into the fire, but it's it's all good. Uh, well, I will be leaning on you because uh, annually I've been able to get in touch with uh, the the winners uh, of the different tournaments. Uh, Jonathan Kinchin has been a a regular guest on the show. I know I've had Paul Maddies on, and uh, I'm forgetting some of the other names, but those are the guys that stand out to me the most. Um, so it is kind of neat that it's going to be your you know position now to create a profile of the eventual winner. <laughs> 
and, uh, you know, to try to pass that thing along. And the great thing is people like me and I hope other publications or outlets will grab that and, and then go with it because they do all have an interesting personal story. And you as a writer bring that b- the best out of people. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. But, um, yeah, I said, yeah, it's been really great to kind of just, like I said, just kind of learn about every, you know, about everybody and, and how they got here and even or or even stories that, you know, that, that we need before kind of getting refreshed with them, you know, with, with um, Michael Baychock, probably, I said, the most well-known of the NHC winners, the million-dollar man, when he captured a tournament in 2012. And, you know, I, it was, a, you know, it was kind of a big story back then that he took part of his winnings and ended up claiming the the mayor who, ended, who, who won the race that gave him the NHC title, and he claimed her and retired her, and... I was fortunate enough to get the pleasure to catch up with him the other week, and I was like, "So, how is she doing? You know, do you still have her?" And come to find out, she's actually been she's actually been retrained as a as a a, a polo pony now, and and I'm like, "That's such a cool story." Especially like here's in Michael is very open with admitting that you know before his NHC win, he kind of you know didn't really give a whole lot of thought that there were but aftercare and after that it really just kind of completely changed his mindset and now he's become one of the leading advocates for thoroughbred aftercare within the industry i said he's very you know with this he, he's generous with his time with his money and really kind of making strides there and he really pushes for his fellow horse players to really make sure these like you know you guys really need to broaden your minds that you know if you don't already and really have pay attention and have a lot of care for these for, for these athletes because he's like you know we as a whole all need to pay better attention to them and, and to what happens to them and you know I just think it's a great story of like I said of 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 how much this event kind of changed him and his outlook and how he's been able to change the lives of so many other athletes along the way. Well, Michael's a great guy. He's been on this show many times, and every time I check with him, I'm like, hey, how would you, you know, I mean, this horse helped him win a million dollars, and when he saw her at a loader claiming level, he's like, I got to save this horse. She saved me, and, uh, you know, he gave me (laughs) updates, but I did not know at this point in time, and I've always heard that mares make the better polo ponies, that that's what she was doing Mm -hmm. now. He's a great guy. And just one of the great stories, you know, that, that's going to come out of there. I mean, uh, guys now that have full-time jobs with, like, the DRF, uh, Matt Bernier, and, you know, different people that have come through uh, the uh, NHC uh, competition. Um, but, uh, Alicia, you now are kind of, uh, you know, facing a whole new challenge, but I, don't you feel it, it came at a good time of your life and it opened up a good door for you yeah i mean it's a it's a thing of you know i said i've been a, i've been a reporter for 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 22 years and in like i said and of course no one becomes a reporter stays a reporter for any length of time unless you love it you have to love it or else you'd never put up with everything that you have to, to put up with in that industry along the way but i said i've been a reporter for 22 years i, I could have a reporter for, for, for the rest of, of, of my life, and that would have been great, but it's kind of a thing of, you know, do you want to sort of stay where you're comfortable, or do you want to kind of take an opportunity to sort of push yourself, open yourself up to a new opportunity, and kind of take yourself out of your comfort zone and see what you can do, and basically see if you can make a difference. In a, you know, take in a different sort of way, in a different sort of form, kind of take what you've learned, take, take, take your experience, see how it translates somewhere else and see I said see if it can make a see if it can make a meaningful difference somewhere else and that's that's sort of what I'm what I'm trying to do I feel like there's a lot of potential 
to, to do that here with, with the NTRA. I think it's an organization that really does a lot of, of tremendous work, but I think the biggest challenge that they face, in, you know, and, 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 I, and I don't think it's anything that they wouldn't admit, is basically getting their own message out of, of, of the work they're doing and the strides that they are ma- making, especially um, – and the side of, like I said, of the side of safety and, and the, the uh, Integrity Alliance, you know, we've got a tremendous, tremendous mind there in Steve Cook, who heads up the Safety and uh, Integrity Alliance. And one of the things that, you know, Steve and I have talked about is just we've got to educate the, the public basically on, like, who he is, what he's doing, just how much work he is putting in, because there's so much going on there that I think so many people aren't, aren't aware of. And I would, you know, and it's, you know, one of the things that I really want to do is make it so that if some of these issues kind of come up with, like I said, with, with safety and, and, and things like that, and, you know, if there are any questions about breakdowns and integrity and stuff like that, that he can become, the, you know, one of the point people that, that, that people, if, when they're looking to do stories and they're looking for an intelligent and informed voice on those issues, that, that, that he's one who, that they know to call him and that, and that you know, and that they're going to get the, the information that they need from him. So, I said, there's. I said, it's, it's a great place. There's definitely some some work to be done, which is you can say that pretty much about any organization and racing across the board here. But um, like I said, I'm excited about seeing what I can do, seeing if I can make a difference. Well, Alicia, you know, I've, I've got to, to know you somewhat just from communications across tables from the Keeneland press box. Uh, and But I, I don't think I'll see you there as regularly. I know I will see you, but I'm guessing your new job's going to take you to a lot of different places at different times of the year. It will, but trust. I'll, I'll still be in that Keeneland press box, though. They're 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 not going to be rid of me so so <laughs> easily. I was like, no, I'm st- I'm still in Lexington. I'm still eight minutes away from the racetrack, and I would much rather work out of that press box at the races than be in a cubicle. <laughs> so, yeah, I said, I said, not they're not rid of me that quick. No, no, but I, I, I do think you're going to end up, you know, obviously covering uh, different events on a national basis, and I, I don't think they could have a, a better person in that key position than you, and I'm telling you, I wish you nothing but the best, but I also hope anybody from the NTRA that's listening right now is saying they got a jewel of a person to fill that position. Oh, you are way, way, way too kind. Thank you so much. That that That, that really means the world coming from me, seriously. All right. We've been talking with Alicia Wentz-Hughes. Uh, she's now with the NTRA, and I don't think it's the last time we're going to be in touch with her this year. Alicia, have a great time out there in Las Vegas, and uh, have safe travels back to the Lexington area. Appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me on. And if you need help with any contacts, you, you I said, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, believe me, you just said that. It's on tape, and I will. You got it. You got it. Thanks again. (laughs) All right. All right. We're going to talk with Alicia Wentz-Hughes from the NTRA now. And we're going to take a quick break and be back with uh, a guy that maybe we can get some of Shade's plays on the big card down at Tampa Bay Downs. That's Andrew Shade's Dembski. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a first-time starter here on Winning Ponies, Andrew Shades Dembski. I'll let him, uh, you know, give you his background, but he spent some years uh, working in minor league baseball. Don't forget, pitchers and catchers report in three weeks, so you better be there. Anyhow, uh, and now he works uh, at uh, both Tampa Bay Downs and Presque Isle. Uh, he was working with uh, the video department, and it sounds to me like the the, uh, the legend Margot Flynn has uh, passed the baton on to Andrew Dembski, and he's joining us right now on Winning Ponies. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to be on with you tonight. All right. Well, real quick, let's rewind your life and what the heck got your eye looking over to thoroughbred racing and created an interest enough that you wanted to make a career out of it? Well, I'll tell you what, I grew up probably uh, 10 minutes from Belmont Park on Long Island. So um, I've always kind of been a fan of horse racing. And believe it or not, it wasn't the first track I've ever went to. I wound up going to uh, Saratoga on a family vacation when I was young, and I absolutely loved it. So I said, Dad, why are we not going to the racetrack? 10 minutes away. So uh, pretty much after that, we wound up going to Belmont. And uh, uh, my grandfather played horses his whole life. I think he's buried with the racing form. So uh, he's, he's still studying the horses up in heaven right now. God bless. And uh, I, I can't tell you, I've always wanted to get involved in it. I took a shot a few years back and uh, wound up doing something I really love right now. Now, uh, real quick, with the baseball season upon us, what was your involvement with uh baseball well i was uh i was a production manager for three different minor league teams i was doing all the if you ever been to a minor league game it's not really about the the game itself it's about all the nonsense that keeps fans in the seat that you do between and i love it 
Hey, we got the date yeah. dragons here, baby. We set the record for any attendance at any professional baseball, not baseball, any professional uh, sport, the Dayton Dragons minor league hold the record for sellouts. I am fully aware of the success of the Dayton Dragons. I think anybody who's worked in baseball uh, knows about the Dayton Dragons. And they, and that's just it. They do a tremendous job with their promotions and their marketing and, and keeping fans in the seats and having a good time regardless of what's going on on the field. And that was kind of my job, doing all the video work on the video boards and uh, working with the street teams to, to do those in-between contests and just kind of make it an enjoyable experience for the fans. And uh, you know, horse racing is not that atmosphere necessarily, but I always kind of hoped uh, to make it or to, to try to to change horse racing into that kind of family-friendly atmosphere. As I think everyone knows, uh, it's hard to keep fans coming to the track. So I wanted to take a shot in, in horse racing. Coming from that kind of background, uh, having a love for the game, wound up doing some behind-the-scenes work. Uh, I was just doing. I was a technical director. Uh, at Tampa, and I wound up being a technical director at Canterbury the following summer. So I've been working at a few tracks, but uh, I wound up taking, I wound up asking, hey, just politely, uh, hey, you mind if I fill in a couple of days for you, Margo? And me and Margo, I think we're, we're pretty close at this point. We were actually at a charity event together earlier uh, this evening, um, but uh, she was cool with it and wound up offering me the job, and that was. I don't know, five years ago now. So it's been a while where I've gotten to have some fun in front of the camera. And I, I think people have had fun along with me. So it's been a, a mutual benefit uh, to the track, I think. We've had a really good time down here in Tampa. Uh, by the way, the Blood Center contacted me earlier today, and they knew that you had to leave early. So they are sending a truck over tomorrow, and they say uh, you're going to be doing a live blood donation on air. Is that true? Uh, I, I haven't heard yet, but you know what? If it's for a good cause, I'm down for anything. <laughs> well, okay. Now, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen you on air. I think you do a great job. But, oh, okay, Andrew, what's the deal with the shades? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. The kind of origin of that, um, I think it was my third day uh, on air as my, in my first full season. I never did it when I was filling in for Margo. And um, so my first full season, third day on air, probably by the third race, the sun's always right behind the camera. And my camera girl, she said, why don't you just wear your sunglasses? Margo always used to do it. So I said, all right, I'll do it. Put them on. Nobody said anything to me uh, about it. And then, of course, the, the Twitterverse uh, started uh, surfing. <laughs> it was the kid in the shades. And then kind of sarcastically a few comments would come up of course because it is Twitter and uh, yes. you hear things like let's let's check on see what Shades has to say so so it really wasn't me who, who started it it was kind of uh, the social media people watching me and I said you know what if that's what they're going to call me let's just run with it and to this day I haven't taken them off there have been many pairs but I have about six pairs of the same exact uh, sunglasses <laughs> well I I like it, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm a few years older than you, and uh, I w- had a position that was called the regular guy. 
uh, at River Downs Racetrack for about, I'm going to say, anywhere from eight to ten years. And it was just when TG, TVG was getting off the ground and I had a Stratocaster and, you know, I'd be circling horses and showing replays. And I've had people that worked at TVG in the early years say, yeah, we always kept the channel on you to see what you were doing. Now, people thought I was kind of stupid. You know, I'd be there with a cigar and a beer, but I always had great guests because I'm close enough to Lexington to bring them up to Cincinnati. And uh, it caught on. And we raced on odd days. And, you know, something like that, it, it's a hook. It's like, well, the first thing is, and you know this, you got to pick some winners. Because when you're out there in the public, <laughs> they're going to come up to you. You know, I've either had guys pat me on the back and try to tip me or to throw tickets in my eyes. Um, it's not easy being a public handicapper, is it? No, I think you have, you're right. You have to have a thick skin doing this. And, and, and you're absolutely right in what you said. You have people who love you and you have people who hate you. Sometimes on the same day, which will, will just confuse you where you think you're having a great day, but you, you can't please everybody doing this. But I, I think over the years where you, where I've gone from being, uh, kind of, uh, you know, a horse player who would, uh, chase carryovers around the country and, and bet big races, when you start following, one circuit, one track, it gets super easy uh, to the point where you don't even realize how much knowledge you have over the years. And you could, you yes. could name a horse and you're pulling up, oh, I remember the horse three bag where he got stuck at the rail and tipped out. How, how do I remember this? And I think that's just because you've been watching it for so many years and you know the circuit, you know the horses, you know the trainer patterns, and uh, you can't help but, but get to be okay at this. It's like it's like when I was in uh, in high school, I played golf every day. I, I didn't realize how good I was, and I didn't realize I was going to hit my prime on the golf course when I was 18. But when you do things every day, you, you do get okay with it. You get pretty good at it. So um, just like this, where you get to follow, where I get to watch Tampa day in, day out, and I'm at the track every day, uh, you can't help but be okay at this game. And right now, I think... Uh, where my handicapping is, I'm pretty happy with it. I've had a pretty successful season so far. We still have a couple months to come, uh, but it's been a good year. Well, you know, that that's a great philosophy because that's, you know, uh, the diving board that I took was, you know, my mother always said, stick to your knitting or do what you do, do well. And when you are at one venue, and again, you will change up to Presque Isle eventually, um, you do get steeped in knowing angles and things like that. And a lot of times I'd pick a horse that would be five to one. And believe me, as you know, people like to be touted. And um, all of a sudden the horse would go off at two to one. And so everybody come up to me and go, hey, Engelhart, anybody can pick the favorite. I'm like, I don't pick favorites. I make favorites. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're good enough at your job, you know, um, and, it, and it is funny. You can watch that tote board as a public handicapper. And then after you give your rationale, reasons, or in my case, replays, and I had an overhead camera where I could teach them how to read the racing form, they'd all of a sudden they go, oh, I get it. That's why that horse won. You know, I mean, defying whatever the odds were at the time. Um, and, hey, if he goes off a two-to-one, I don't care. That just means more people bet into the winning pool. Well, exactly. And you know what? I, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure it happens, and I, I never want to say it happens, where, where, you know, the public handicapper at a racetrack can uh, swing the odds. I, as much as uh, I don't think it happens, maybe. Maybe it does. Um, I, I think it probably 
it probably happened a lot more before the years of, of simulcasting and whatnot. But uh, right now, uh, I don't know. I don't want to believe I can swing the odds with, with selections, but it, it's kind of based on how many winners I picked that day and how the how the Internet is chirping that day. So uh, people get on your bandwagon when you are a public handicap and you're having a good day. Yeah, all of a sudden, your top pick, if it is a bit of a price, and if, you, if, if I went to the track and I said, man, I got one horse I want to bet today and I'm afraid to tout it because I know I might hurt the price a little bit, so be it. You know, it, it's good to be right. And yeah, like I said, you, you can't please everybody in this position. I've been doing it for, I don't know, four years at Prescott Island, five years now at Tampa where uh, you, you might give out a favorite that wins. And people say, like you said, oh, well, it was the favorite. Anybody could do that. I said, well, do you want a long price loser? I, I can do that for you, too. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So, hey, I could have given you a 10 to 1 shot. You'd be throwing your ticket on the floor. But I'm sorry. <laughs> right. This was the best horse in the race. You know, if you want to take right. advantage of it, keep on top of the couple of the others I mentioned. Well, uh, now that now that uh, we, we have you, Andrew, uh, let's get to some of the great racing fantastic card at Tampa Bay Downs. I just watched uh, Mike Watchmaker at the Daily Racing Forum and uh, you know he on his annual week annual his weekly weekend warrior which he can go to any track in the country. He picked two a years which you know says a lot for the card at Tampa Bay on Saturday. First of all, I know that you're not a media urologist, but how's the weather looking because we're going to handicap some turf races. Yeah, you know, they, they are saying there there is a chance of rain this Saturday, but, it, I mean, it's Florida, so when we get rain, it, it could dump rain for 10 minutes, and <laughs> that might be it for the whole day. So right now there, there's a chance of rain. My fingers are crossed that uh, we'll stay dry that day. Two days out, I, I rather I rather almost wait uh, until tomorrow to kind of confirm that, but I'm kind of hoping we get the nice dry day where we were expecting. So we'll see. Right now it's like 20, 30%. So like I said, we might get a pop-up shower, but should stay dry most of the day. Yeah, I got a brother who lives down there. I know about it. And I love Tampa Bay Downs. It's a very quaint track. Reminds me a lot of River Downs in Cincinnati where I cut my teeth. Let's try to plow through four, four races before we got a break. Now, the Tampa Bay Grade three, hundred and seventy-five thousand. By the way, that's the name of the race, folks. We're going a mile and a sixteenth on the grass. Uh, I'm, I'm most attracted by Heart to Heart because I think this horse can control the pace. I don't think Julian Laparou is, you know, leaving home base to uh, ride a horse he doesn't think he can win on. Um, and what we're finding in this race is a lot of horses that are not geldings, older older male horses that are going there. I just think that Heart to Heart may control the pace, and I think that his biggest challenge is going to come uh, from another shipper that has never raced at Tampa uh, by the name of Kurban, uh, trained by Karen McLaughlin. So uh, without talking about every horse in the race, those are the two that come to the top. For me, how about Andrew Dembski? Yeah, I, I did. You know, I almost didn't want to put heart to heart uh, on top. And, man, he's getting up there now. He's eight years old now. You don't realize it because he's been around so long. He's been such a gamer for so many years, so well-traveled. Um, but heart to heart's comeback was good enough to kind of suggest that he, he might be just fine, he, even at eight. And you are right. He, he could control the pace. I don't think he makes the lead in this race. But there really aren't too many trustworthy speed types. So even if he could just 
Sock, one of the cheaper speeds in this race, heart-to-heart, uh, should be mighty tough. I'm kind of interested to see what... Uh, I, I've always said this horse is wrong. Even when Buff Bradley had it, Diversadero, I, 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 that's probably you not how to say it. I've never... Is that it? All right. You I got it. I had Buff right on the show two weeks ago. Did you? He is such ah. a cool guy. He doesn't have a street here this year. Tampa. He has for years, and he's always been cool to hang to to talk with. He's yes. uh, so media friendly. I'm a big fan of Buff Bradley, super professional in every way. Um, but I've always been a fan of this horse, and you know, even since it's left his bar with Kelly Rubley now, man, he makes his run absolutely every time out. Yes, he's finished behind a couple of these. But I think as, as a fan of, of closers on the turf, even though I don't have the horse picked anywhere, I would love to see this horse kind of put on a show for us uh, from off the pace that day. This is a, a quality field. Um, I think heart-to-heart and Diversadero are going to take the bulk of the betting. Kieran McLaughlin's horse, I don't know much about this horse, and I don't think anybody really does, only has those three starts uh, in the state. So really kind of a wild card kind of horse, but... You know, we have so many of these top riders coming in to ride. Joe Bravo gets the call there. Julio May Peru has won so many times here at Tampa. Of course, he's won on Teppin, which on my best day I might be able to win on. Um, so, of course, Julio May Peru, a top turf rider, uh, has heart-to-heart. I think it's between those two. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, though, on Saturday. All right. Well, listen, uh, just in case we run short on time, I'm going to skip a couple races, and I'm sure we'll get the other two in. But the Sam F. Davis uh, we got Derby points, and my producer's telling me I got five minutes just now. Um, lots of early speed. It's kind of cool, Andrew, that every horse in this race is nominated to the Triple Crown. Um, my eye goes to uh, two horses, uh, a speed horse and a closer. The speed horse, and I don't have odds in front of me, but he may be the morning line favorite, is uh, Nick's go just because of the quality of competition uh, that he's had to run against and the fact that uh, he really likes the mile on a 16th. If you can put a line through his last race, you know, he runs second behind game winner in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Don't know what happened in the last, uh, but I, I do see that uh, they were smart enough to bring him to Tampa. The horse has been killing it in the morning with some sensational bullet workouts. Uh, so, you know, I look for him to be fresh, going to put a line through the Kentucky Jockey Club. And that was the end uh, of his season last year after a huge effort in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And I think that the closer to fear the most in here is probably so alive. Turning it over now to Andrew Dembski. <laughs> I hate to be so agreeable, but I, I did pick So Alive on top, and I'm going to pick Nick's go second. So Alive at least has the one around the track, and he was so impressive that day. He almost got kind of bored when they came up to him. He got kind of lax at days ago, let a horse go by him, and then came right back to wait. It's almost like he needs that kind of pressure. He needs the horse to look him in the eye. So So Alive, we know his game uh, when, when the real running is going to start, and he should be able to sit the trip. Uh, Nick's go... You say lighting up, lighting the track on fire in the morning. Uh, his work in 58, I think he, he got the, I don't know, having 45. I mean, they said it might have been, because there's no record they couldn't find. It might have been the quickest work uh, in Tampa Bay history, that work on January 26th, um, in the half, and then galloping out in 58. So I got to see the work. We had our TV crew record it. I think it's up on YouTube. Nick's go is a pretty cool mover. I mean, just absolutely getting over the track here so well. So... 
if he runs to uh, his morning works, and obviously he's the class of the field, I don't have the morning lines either printed out. I try to print my form without the morning lines off uh, formulator, so I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, yes, uh, I do the anyway. same. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be, but I'm sure he'll be the morning line favorite. But uh, Nick's go is he, he from what I've seen on video of him working in the mornings. They have been recording his breezes here. Man, he gets over the track so well. So he's going to be tough in here. And I put a poll on my Twitter page uh, regard, regarding Nick's go. Can anybody upset him? And the overwhelming response is no. Nobody can beat Nick's go. Well, we'll find out. I, I, I think the outsider there, if you get odds on him, Jersey Joe's riding Kentucky Wildcats going to get money just from every friggin' fan in Kentucky because of the horse's name. <laughs> and being a son of Tappet probably doesn't hurt you out of the Albertini barn. But I can't talk about this horse for this race for five more minutes, but I'm not going to go. I do want to go to, uh, let's get another graded stakes race in here, uh, the Lamholm South Endeavor. And, uh, you know, pretty much the two horses that floated at the top for me uh, were uh, Rimska, if I'm saying that correctly, and uh, good year for Roses just because of the competition that this horse has always faced. Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting with good year for Roses in there. How, how could it not be? I mean, you look at a horse who's half a length behind Lady Eli, a horse who has her run since 2017, goes out for a trainer I'm not familiar with has been training in Louisiana. If this horse wins, I'm not going to say it will shock me, but my goodness, you might actually get a price on this kind of horse because of all those question marks. The race does go through Rimska. Rimska is going to be the favorite uh, in this race and I have to think a deserving uh, favorite uh, in this race. But you're right, good year for Roses is super intriguing. I'm actually interested in the other Delacour horse, Bombshell, who might be a bomb price breaking from the outside, but... And some recency just ran a decent enough race with trouble at the start at Gulfstream. And you know what? The outside doesn't hurt you too bad uh, in this race. I think if we could work out the trip, this other, because Delacour does have two, so he has Bombshell in this race um, as well as, as Hawksmore. Hawksmore is going to take the money in here, but Hawksmore is a horse who uh, could get pegged on the wire. So I'm interested to see. Uh, I love when trainers enter two in big races like this, and you might get two to one on one and ten to one on the other, and I will have Bombshell on my ticket. All right. Well, listen, we've been talking with Andrew, call him Shades Dembski. Hopefully not for the last time. I hope to get you back on for the uh, Tampa Bay Derby. It's been a pleasure learning about your entrance into the game, and I'm so happy to have you on the show, Andrew. Hey, a pleasure, John. Very nice to talk to you. All right. Well, I also want to thank uh, Alicia Wentz-Hughes that was with us. And we can't forget to remind you with all this great racing from all over the country to come to winningponies.com and go to our easy win forms. Had some outstanding winners. They're there on our website, Delta Downs, Golden State, couple at Santa Anita that were huge. And uh, this is a, a great weekend. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pick threes, pick fours, et cetera, at Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, and again, I want to thank Andrew. want to thank Alicia. I want to thank you for listening. And I want to thank my tag team of producers, Josh Bygosh and A-Rod, for getting me through the night. I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.